Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So great to have you with us here on episode 148 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Thursday afternoon, November the 5th. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, with us, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. The best podcast producer in the land. He really is, folks. He is Malcolm Stewart (laughs) behind the scenes, and I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes. A reminder, if you're watching live on YouTube, be sure to drop a question into the chat, and we will get to those at the end of the show. If you have a question for Will or Chris, any topic, any sport, we will get to them at the end of the show. This week and every week, the Tech Sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, the the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, you can call anytime, day or evening, toll-free. The number is 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com gentlemen good afternoon to you how are you doing i'm enjoying the weather man it's perfect it's gonna be like 70 for the next week uh be a great saturday for a tailgate great tailgating weather great t- november tailgating <laughs> weather too man it's, oh, it's no. amazing not watch next year we'll be having blizzards at this time it's tragic year. malcolm are they still are they still like not allowing like students to tailgate in your area so the cops roll through there and make sure nobody's outside partying so they just make you go back inside and party in closer quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, mm. No comment. <laughs> no comment here either. You know, I think that is one thing about this year, actually. If you look at the weather we've had on just about every game day, home I or away, know. it's been beautiful. I know. Just like the, uh, the the game that was supposed to be a Thursday night game against Boston College, it was like, like low 70s, mid-70s that day, so... It's it's like what is it November fifth and I, I still walked to the gym this morning at like seven fifteen you know I'm not supposed to be able to do that this time of year yeah I got in my vehicle this morning it was it was kind of well not this morning like ten thirty eleven o'clock and the sun was already beating in on it was already warm well we have a great show planned for you today episode one hundred and forty eight do want to remind you next Thursday we celebrate episode one hundred and fifty previewing the Miami game previewing right? the That's... Miami game so kind of fitting for a big episode big number. To be a big game as well, previewing Virginia Tech in Miami. But we've got a great show planned for you today. Episode 148 of the, uh, excuse me, episode 148 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Yep. Uh, we are going to preview number 25, Liberty coming to Virginia Tech. How much of a threat does Liberty pose to Virginia Tech, even though they're 14 and a half point underdogs, but they're ranked 25th in the AP poll? We're going to talk about their high powered offense. We're going to talk about their defense. We're going to get game predictions for Will and Chris. 
But we begin the Tech Sideline podcast with some sad news. And legendary Virginia Tech baseball coach Chuck Hartman, who led the Hokies from 1979 to 2006, won nearly 1,000 games in 28 seasons at the helm of the Hokies, passed away on Monday. Chris, what kind of impact does Chuck Hartman leave behind at Virginia Tech? You know, when when you can stay employed at the same place for so long. For a long time. That means you're really good at your job, especially in the world of college sports where, where it's fairly easy to get fired, right? He was really, really good at his job. He was a constant in the community. Like, yep, up, up to, even this past season, I still saw him at every basketball game. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he'd park right there on lot one and walk in like a regular regular fan. Um, so he was a uh, he was a tech guy right up until the very end. I remember going to his uh, his last game. Like he already announced his his retirement. I think they were playing Charlotte, and. Tech didn't have much talent at that point, and and Charlotte was winning the game. But at one point, a Tech player was trying to take third base and got called out, and I thought he was safe. Now, I'm biased, of course, but uh, Hartman came out to argue it, and it was almost like he was trying to get thrown out of his last game. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that um, there's no way that umpire would have ejected him from his last game just no way that was going to happen right but it was it was it was pretty funny to uh to observe but yeah he's 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 a legend man so uh i was i was uh 1983 through 1987 and the year before i got there and if there are people watching in case i get this wrong they can correct me in 1982 virginia tech went 50 and 9 and did not get an ncaa invitation yeah if you think tech men batting that Tech men's basketball program used to get screwed under Greenberg, oh and you hadn't seen anything. And I think there was another year where they went like 48 and 11 or something like that, maybe in the year before or the year after. But I remember reading about that in the CT when I was a freshman sitting there in the dining hall one day uh, reading that. Uh, so, uh, Evan, do you have in front of you what years he was the head coach at Tech? Correct, 1979 to 2006. He had come from High Point where he was had a very successful career yeah. there. And uh, won over 1,400 games in his career, nearly 1,000 at Virginia Tech. I think he's in the High Point Hall of Fame. He's in the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame. He's, I believe he's in the NCAA Baseball Hall of Fame. I, sure, I think I read. He's in the State of Virginia Hall of Fame. He's in a lot of He's Hall in of the fans. American Baseball Coaches Association Hall of Fame, was inducted in 2004. Yeah. So, uh, you know, younger Virginia Tech fans may not know this, but the baseball field used to be <laughs> where the Virginia Tech football practice field and indoor facility are now. So picture that as a baseball field. Home plate was uh, back in the corner near the west stands, the current west stands of, uh, of Lane Stadium. And so the, uh, the, the fence was out there on the hill. Um, so left field is the Jamerson Center, basically. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you a story about that in a second. Well, these are, these are not Chuck Hartman stories, though, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, you know, uh, fans of my era – um, you'd, you'd go out and you'd sit on the hill out in right field and uh, you could watch the game. And we used to take coolers out there. And, man, it used to be a blast out there. And, and I think they tried to replicate that a little bit when they built the new stadium, but it doesn't get used that way. I think there's a video board stuck out there now. But uh, um, I would see – now, Chuck Hartman didn't know me. I never interviewed him or anything like that. But I would see him at basketball games. And I'd talk to him about that sweet orange jacket he had, man. He had He had a killer – Big, uh, what would you would you call that a baseball baseball jacket, Chris? Uh, it's just an athletic jacket. I, would, I don't think there's a there's a 
there's a particular. I can see an old school manager wearing that. So, so Chris, absolutely. So Chris had a conversation with Brad Klontz via text message the other day about those jackets. So. Yeah, it was like I think every tech athlete got them back then. It had their first name on the front and their last name on the back yeah. or something like that. And Chuck got himself one too during all that and just kept it. So Chuck's been wearing that or was wearing that jacket for like 30 years. Yeah, yeah. very nice. Well, Hartman, all-time winningest coach in Virginia Tech history in any sport. Won 961 games in 28 seasons at Virginia Tech, and you know Jimmy Robertson wrote a really nice article on HokieSports.com about the legacy that Chuck Hartman leaves behind. And I'll uh, finish off this topic with a paragraph that he wrote. I do, I do want to say one more thing before you get into that. Um, you know, I think something that's underappreciated about Chuck Hartman was when Virginia Tech got it was bad enough being a base, baseball coach in the Big East. But when you know, because it's more of a northern conference, it's it's difficult to. The metro was very southern, you know. So I think that's when Chuck had a lot of his success. They got moved to the Big East, and it was more more northern. And then after that, they got into the Atlantic Ten. Virginia Tech spent uh, uh, four years. No, it's like seven years in the Atlantic. No, no you're right. Four. four. It was like basically ninety five through two thousand, roughly. Probably. It was like four four, in the, four in the ATN. Four in the ATN. Four in the Big East. But but when Virginia Tech transitioned to, uh, got kicked out of the Metro, and, and I, I think I said something about kick, getting kicked out of the Big East. That's wrong. They were in the Big East for football, Metro for all sports, got kicked out of the Metro and had to transition all sports to the Atlantic 10. So Chuck had to coach in the Atlantic 10 for four years. And I think at first they won a conference title or two because they still had more talent than your typical A-10 team. But mm-hmm. that that was a – Chuck took one on the chin for the better of the betterment of the whole athletic department. That yeah, was, no doubt about that. Not not a great conference to be a coach, in, a baseball coach in. Well, he coached in many conferences, and when he retired, Virginia Tech was just beginning their time in the ACC. But back to what Jimmy Robertson wrote again. It's on HokieSports.com, and I really encourage everyone to read it. Um, I just want to read a couple of sentences that he wrote, and uh, he said, "Quote." They also contributed financially to Virginia Tech student-athletes, giving more than 100000 in support of the Hokies over the years. Others may have given more money, but no one cared more, close quote. So what a legacy Chuck Hartman leaves behind, and our thoughts and condolences are with the Hartman family and thought it was fitting to lead off today's podcast uh, talking about the legacy of Chuck Hartman. Let's transition now to what we're going to spend the majority of the show talking about, and that is Virginia Tech hosting number 25 Liberty this weekend inside of Lane Stadium. We're going to spend a lot of time previewing this game. Chris has his article up on TechSideline.com. We're going to look at the numbers. We'll look at the offensive Liberty, the defensive Liberty. We'll get to the predictions, but I want to spend a couple of minutes not looking at this individual Liberty team. I want to focus on Liberty right now and the transition they've made since 2017, going from an FCS level program up to an FBS program, it's well documented how much money Liberty University has, the resources they have, the facilities they have. They're new to FBS, but they're 6-0. and They're ranked 25th right now. Will, do you see a scenario in which Liberty could one day potentially become a Power 5 school or could potentially ever get to the point where they challenge Virginia Tech in recruiting and become a big-time program given the resources and money that Liberty University has? Well, they they certainly have a tremendous amount of money, and that's at least half the battle. Um, You can build good facilities, which they've done. You can hire good coaches if you've got money. 
Um, you can have a big fat recruiting budget. Uh, the, the thing that I don't know, um, and I'm sure there are people out there listening that know a lot more about Liberty University than I do. I think they have certain standards of, of on-campus conduct that the kids have to, to live up to that go there. Mm-hmm. And they are the kind of things that your typical college student is not interested I, in abiding by. I think I got a, like a letter from their football team one time mm-hmm. when, I, when I was in high school, and it listed all the things that you could and couldn't do. And couldn't couldn't be in a girl's dorm room. Uh, you and, couldn't hold hands with your girlfriend or right. something like that. I, I, I just remember the, the list of can do was about that long. <laughs> the list of can do was about that long. Right. So so there there are certain standards of conduct that they ask their student body to to uh, uh, abide by that could be a recruiting issue. Certainly, you can negative or ne- negatively recruit them. Um, and and there there's a pool of players out there that 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 will actually appeal to. I imagine that pool is pretty small. So I think that's something that's that's going to work against them in recruiting. And when, when you ask how good can they be, it's all about what kind of players can you get, right? You can have good facilities, get good coaches, and can you get good players also, you know? So um, that that's all this murky soup that the, the money part of the equation will get them to a certain level, but then what? As far as being a Power 5 school someday, eh, uh, probably not. That's a really tough uh, club to crack into. Yeah, I mean, I think the days of like big conference expansion is pretty much gone. If anything, I think, I think the bigger conferences would would downsize and try to keep more of the money amongst a smaller group of schools. Like, yeah. I would actually more be more worried about Virginia Tech getting left out, and then they were on the same level as Liberty because of that than I would be like of Liberty moving up. Like I, I don't see why the the Power Five schools would want to add more schools at this point. Uh, I just I don't see how it would break them any more revenue, and it's just more people to split the the pot with. So if we can go on a little bit of a tangent, you know, uh, when, when I interviewed Whit Babcock recently, and and this is no secret, this this had been talked about. He talked about how amongst some of his uh, uh, bigger donors, he had raised twelve and a half million dollars over the next five years that will be applied to the football program. And the school, whatever that means, is going to match that 12 and a half. So it's going to be $25 million over the, over the next five years once this becomes official to support the football program. And from what I understand, the, the pitch to donate that was made to these high-end donors was, these are the things we have to do to not get left behind. There may be another round of, a, not expansion, but contraction Correct. coming up at some point. And you don't want to be one of the small money schools and... And one of the schools that looks like they're not applying resources to the football. It's program. why Virginia Tech did not get into the ACC in the 50s when it was formed. Mm. Because Virginia Tech started de-emphasizing athletics in the late 40s, right? For a brief period of time. For a very brief period of time. Right. And then the ACC formed and they said, ah, Virginia Tech's not interested in athletics, so we can't take them. Yeah. So right now, if, if, if something like that happened and they just looked at what the money Virginia Tech was spending in comparison to the other Power Five schools, we would get left out. Uh, most likely. there's there's a possibility. There's, there's certainly a possibility yeah. that, that, that the Hokies would, would get left out. I want to transition, continuing this conversation about Liberty and its potential as a football program. Uh, on TechSideline.com, as I mentioned before, Chris has his game preview, which we're going to dive into in a minute, previewing Virginia Tech and Liberty. But under the final thoughts section of the article. I want to read this opening paragraph that you wrote, Chris. You said, quote, Some professional baseball players make a career out of getting moved back and forth between AAA and the majors. They really aren't good enough to play in the majors, but they are probably too good for AAA, too. 
Some people, myself included, refer to those types of guys as quadruple A players. There is no such level in baseball, but if there were, that's where those guys would be playing. Uh, Bull Durham's Crash Davis is the best fictional example I can think of, close quote. So when you think about Liberty's program, do you see them as a quadruple A program? One, that's good good enough and better than FCS level, but not good enough to really compete in the FBS. Uh, uh, they're good enough to compete in the FBS, but not really at the Power 5 level. I, I was particularly talking about this team. Like, I see an SEC head coach. I see a quarterback with SEC talent. I see a 325-pound nose guard, which is not common uh, amongst Schools Smaller that were schools, just yeah. in, F- in the FCS a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. By the way, um, when Virginia Tech played them in 2016, Liberty was was FCS. Correct. Right, right. It's been that recent. So I I see guys. I see lots of strengths. Uh, I'll I'll look at parts of their team and see. Oh yeah, they're FBS for sure. And then I look at other parts of it and like they've got a a guard and oh let's see. Their starting center is uh, 6'1", 295, and their starting left guard is 6'1", 290. That's extremely small for interior offensive linemen, both from, from a height standpoint <laughs> and, a, and a weight standpoint in this modern era of football, the era at, football. At, at the FBS level. Yeah. All their receivers, or most of their receivers, are like 165 pounds. Uh, you know, their, their defensive ends are 235 all their defensive backs are below 200 and four of their five are below 190. Their kicker can't kick the ball to the end zone and can barely make a kick over 30 yards. Yeah, so, so, so they've got a bunch of FBS pieces and they've got a bunch of FCS pieces also. So like, they're, they're still transitioning. They're still transitioning. They're going to have some impressive players on the field that like you'll look at Malik Willis and say, wow, what an athlete. And then they'll, they'll put some, also put some other players out there that you – you will realize that they should not be playing against a power five team. They're just not good enough. So they're somewhat, so yeah, somewhere in the middle. Um, I think they're going to be impressive against certain competition, but when they face a major league curveball, that's when they, that, that's when they, you see what they're actually able to handle and, and they'll be facing power five competition. They'll be facing that, that major league curveball for the first time uh, this weekend. All right, so before we transition into previewing the game and the offense, a reminder that Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. We have a new item on the podcast set today. Will, for our listeners who aren't watching, what are you holding in your hand right now? (laughs) All right, so let's uh, let's get the mic back in here where you can hear me and give you the official name of what uh, I'm holding up here. Give me a second. There's a really cool looking item by the way which will be available for those watching on youtube we'll be sure to put it in the description so you can have the link to order this is a virginia tech steel city travel tumbler steel city so, steel city i guess that's the brand um keep your drink warm during chilly fall games stainless steel travel mug with maroon acrylic band and orange vt logo holds approximately 16 ounces and the the maroon band around the middle is kind of translucent sort yeah. of see-through so it's got some got some depth to it very cool, and it's got a place where you can stick. It's got a lid where you can stick a straw and suck out of it and stuff like Steel that. Steel City sounds very blue collar. It does. You can get it and put it next to your lunch pail. That got. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So eighteen ninety nine, and we will drop the link in the description, or if you're visiting the website, you can just see it as a featured item. Chris, the Liberty Flames are unbeaten, have the sixth best rushing offense in the country. 
Their six opponents are a combined four and twenty-eight on the season. How legit is Liberty? And how concerned should Virginia Tech be about the Flames on Saturday? Yeah, all good questions. I think there's always a tendency when somebody has played a terrible schedule, as they have. Now, let's put it out there. I mean, those opponents they've beaten are a combined 4-28. and 28. They So, are so let's, let's list them real quick. Western Kentucky's 2-5. and five. They're half of those those four wins. <laughs> right. FIU's 0-3. North Alabama's an FCS program at 0-2. Um, Louisiana Monroe's 0 and 7. Syracuse 1 and 6, probably arguably the worst team in the ACC. Southern Miss is, is 1 and 5. Um, and they've, they've all, so that's combined 4 and 28. Mm-hmm. Right. So terrible competition. Now, that said, like, I think there's a lot of people that come out there and say, oh, they're not any good because they haven't beaten anybody that's any good. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that they're good, and we don't know that they're bad. We don't know that they're underrated, or we don't know that they're overrated. You, until they play somebody with a pulse, we won't know any of that. We'll have a much better idea of it after this weekend. Uh, I'm not going. You can't dismiss them just because of their schedule. Um, now, but you might be able to dismiss them after this weekend if Virginia Tech goes out there and stomps them. Right. Then you. Then yes, you'll be able to say. Yeah, they were 6-0 and because they played a bunch of horrible teams. Um, but if they hang around and take Virginia Tech into the fourth quarter, then, of course, you won't be able to say that. Um, so their schedule does make me question them to the extent of, like, I don't know how good they are. Like, I think Malik Willis is good. I know he's a good athlete, a really good athlete. How good of a quarterback is he? I don't know. Um, you know, he's... 6215 uh 67.2% completion rate 1100 yards nine touchdowns one interception well i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that Hendon Hooker would have done at least that against mm-hmm. the same competition right yeah i mean those are some bad teams so so, so we'll Chris, find out more in the preview chris embedded uh highlight it's like almost a 10 minute highlight package it's really a condensed game version of uh, liberty's victory over uh, southern miss which 56 to 28 or something 56 like 35 56 35 yeah, so it's not a boring game <laughs> right so go watch that and, it, and it's interesting because uh i don't remember the exact phrasing and i don't want to scroll through my phone to look it up but somebody asked after our preview they asked the question yep yeah, well how do you know they're any good and i said watch the highlight uh film they're they're they make some plays they've got some speed it doesn't matter how good or bad southern miss is on defense you watch the the highlights of of Liberty against Southern Miss, and, and you're going to go, wow, that was a nice play. And we do know Malik Willis from his days at Auburn. You know, they never trusted him to give him the keys to the quarterback position from a passing game perspective. Right. I think he threw like 14 passes in his two years there. Yeah. They let him run it a lot, particularly when he was a freshman. And uh, I put it in my preview yesterday. I forget the numbers right now. But he, I think he averaged about seven yards per carry when he was at Auburn. Yeah, against SEC competition. Right. So he is a good enough athlete. He was once committed to Virginia Tech as a cornerback, as, as an athlete cornerback type. And he had a great senior season in Georgia and decided he wanted to play a quarterback. At, Auburn at came calling, level. cha-ching. Uh, the, and this, this, was the year, <laughs> this was the year that Virginia Tech, I believe, signed Hendon Hooker um, to a 2017 recruiting class. So, yeah, that would have been the year uh, Tech signed Sounds Hooker. Right, yeah. And so we were like, well, we've already signed Hooker, and – yeah, maybe we think you can play quarterback, but we would much rather you play defensive back. Like yeah. if you're going to make the NFL, that's probably 
probably where, where it's going to be. Wanted to play quarterback, though. So he went to Auburn, um, got some playing time as a runner, but they would never let him pass it. He didn't want to do that anymore. So he found somebody who would let him play quarterback, and he found that at Liberty. Um, and that, that doesn't mean Virginia Tech was wrong. You know, he's a good enough athlete that he, he might have developed into an NFL cornerback. Right, right. Um, I think he's one, he's one of those guys who wanted a certain college experience, right? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's one of those rare guys that doesn't care all that much about whether he plays in the NFL or not, and he just wants to enjoy. He just wants to play quarterback because he likes playing quarterback, and he'll take that as far as it gets him. Hmm. And maybe a college degree is good enough for him, right? We maybe shall see. maybe he's one of those types. Um, I do think he has NFL athleticism. I'll say that. Uh, We'll find out. We'll have a much better idea how good of a quarterback he is uh, this year, or excuse me, this weekend. Now, uh, and the other thing you can't evaluate him is because, uh, to be fair, his wide receivers are quick, but but they're they're like top three receivers are all like one sixty five to one eighty, and so that makes it tough to evaluate him from that standpoint too. Well, not only did Willis uh, find someone who was willing to let him pass the ball at Liberty a little bit more, he found Hugh Freeze, who is in his second year as the coach of Liberty. For those that haven't really followed much outside of the ACC, that's the former head coach of Ole Miss who had success at Ole Miss and then was ultimately let go. He was a really good recruiter. As as most SEC coaches are. (laughs) And then then Liberty brought him in last year. So I want to continue the conversation about Malik Willis. I want to throw a couple of numbers out about him right now. He's completing 67% of his passes. He's a 9-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, averaging 8.6 yards per attempt. Will, you watched the highlights of the Southern Miss game. You've looked at Chris's preview. You've done your research. Does Willis scare you more through the air or through the running game? Through the running game. Um, he looks bigger than 6'1", 215 to me. It's interesting. I've, I've just looking at the highlights, uh, not a lot bigger, but but a, a little bigger. He, I expected a uh, – since Virginia Tech had recruited him as a corner, I expected a guy who would be relatively small that you'd look and say, yeah, he's one of those – not Demetrius Davis level guys. He might be a guys, nickel five, type. Ten, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. um, but uh, so he's, he's good size, good acceleration, good speed. Uh, they, they run a lot of RPO. Um, Hopefully, uh, I think Brandon Patterson said, that, or a uh, poster on our message board said, about the same amount that North Carolina does, um, which anytime North Carolina gets mentioned after the game this year, I get the heebie-jeebies. Um, it's, he's, it, again, what I watched was a highlight film, so you're going to see all the good plays. He's, his throwing motion is, is very slightly odd. Arm is pretty strong. He completed some nice passes, both uh, into coverage and, of course, you know, guys that were running open outside coverage. But I would have to say my bigger worry is as a runner. He, he, I, I remember one of the highlight clips. He, he the, I think Southern Miss blitzed or just had a good rush going. They had three guys descend upon him at the same time, and he got away from away from him in the pocket. If he breaks the pocket on you, he's going to pick up a lot of yardage. Only uh, one one interception on the season as well, so that nine to one. Uh, yeah, he's done a good job through protecting the, the but ball. But same question for you: running the ball or passing the ball? Where is he more effective, Chris? Uh, I would say the goal is to stop their run. Yeah. Um, they, they've they've run the ball one hundred more times than they've thrown it this year. That includes scrambles and, and sacks. But they 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 like to run it, and I th- I'm guessing they're probably extremely similar to Virginia Tech in that 
their passing game completely operates off the success of their running game. Um, he does not not strike me as the type of quarterback that on third and eight is going to drop back and then pick you apart. You know, right. I, I think I think Virginia Tech and Liberty different levels of football, but I think their strengths and weaknesses are probably fairly similar. Um, like like if Virginia Tech keeps them in long yardage situations and shut down shuts down their running game. I, I don't see them. I don't see Liberty dinking and donking down the field on on the Hokies. Just like Virginia Tech wouldn't be able to do that to to an ACC opponent if the Hokies' running game got shut down. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's going to be the most important thing this week is to put them in a lot of third and sevens, third and eight, third and nines, and then keep him in the pocket. Um, you know his his running this year is. Uh, on designed runs, he's carried the ball 21 times for 253 yards. And on scrambles, he has 22 attempts for 293 yards. So, so he's very good at both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 21 of his 43 attempts have gone for 10-plus yards. So he's certainly Half a big play guy. So th- th- this this is going to be the week to uh, keep him in the pocket. He's forced 27 missed tackles this year. Hmm. Um, that's a lot. Um, but it, you know it's a lot against bad teams, right? Yeah. Um, but I still think he's a really, really, really good athlete. He'll have his biggest challenge this week. But I, I think the, the, this this game is going to be more about his supporting cast. I I know uh, there are a lot of listeners and viewers we have that really enjoyed when we get into the pro football focus grades. And there is a uh, poster on Tech sideline. Who? What's the name of this? AIS Hokey O five. Thank you so much, AIS Hokey O five. He actually posted on the boards, and as Chris has in his article, some pro football focus numbers, and he actually compares Malik Willis, Liberty's quarterback, to where he would rank in terms in of ACC, ACC quarterback. Right, so there are a couple of numbers that I want to read. He'd, uh, Willis would rank sixth in the ACC in pro football focus grades among quarterbacks behind Sam Hartman. Um, he would, let's see here, where was the other? Uh, when he does take off and run, he averages 5.4 seconds before running, which is higher than any that ACC quarterback. That is a long quarter. he's a, he's time a in the pocket. Yeah. Now, I don't think he'll have that much time against Virginia yeah, Tech, in yeah. my opinion. And then one thing I wanted to mention, you just said Willis has – uh, Willis has forced 27 missed tackles on the year, seven more than AC than any ACC quarterback. He does have five fumbles on the year, also more than any ACC oh, quarterback. That's so interesting, Chris. I mean, you you look at the numbers in Pro Football Focus. He does, uh, and not to mention, um, again, sixth in the ACC in Pro Football Focus among quarterbacks. So against weaker competition, but his numbers do rank somewhat middle of the pack yeah, in they, terms they, of ACC they quarterbacks. They do. you got to take it with a grain of salt, though. And that's why I didn't do too much with PFF in my in my preview this week is because... Because the level of competition. The level of competition. Like, I looked at their PFF numbers and saw that almost everybody on the team graded out above 80. And I'm like, I can't use this, uh, yeah. this, this week. <laughs> um, like, if Virginia Tech had played the same six teams, I'm pretty sure Virginia Tech would be six and zero, and everybody on the team would be graded out above the <laughs> eighty. Also, so the <laughs> so total total defense is a crude metric. It's the classic NCAA, you know, Correct. total total defense ranking. And here's where Liberty's opponents. I'm, I'm excluding North Alabama because they're a FCS team. But here's where the FBS opponents rank in total defense. Western Kentucky's number forty five. This is now out of 113 teams because the MAC played last night. So the MAC stats have been folded in. Now have 113 teams that have played. Uh, FIU number 87, Louisiana Monroe number 75, Syracuse number 93, Ouch. and Southern Miss number number 100. 
So these numbers have been run up against almost uniformly bad defenses. Western Kentucky is the only one that really has a pulse, as Chris likes to say. Let's uh let's mention the running backs real quick. And I do want to mention, by the way, that Malik Willis is the team's leading rusher. Mm-hmm. 71 rushes, 495 yards, 7 yards per carry, and he has 6 touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. But their running backs, Chris, we have seen Virginia Tech has had to defend a couple of dynamic uh, uh, tandem running backs, two running backs. But Liberty, as you uh, mentioned in your preview, they've got three running backs that it looks like that could carry the football in uh, – um, give me one second. Just had it up. So they have three running backs in Shedro Lewis, Joshua Mack, Peyton Pickett. They each have 300 yards on the ground individually this year and then the number six rushing offense in the nation. So when you look at these backs, any any comparisons? Uh, I know maybe not in terms of overall talent, but anyone they compare to maybe of North Carolina's backs? Yeah, I don't – they don't really remind me of anybody physically. It's What stood out to me is how different all three backs right. are. One of them is 5'8", 220 pounds. He's kind of like five eight two twenty. Yeah, I think that's. I what think I, I think in the in the in the highlight package from the Southern Miss game, they show him flat running over a right. defender. So right. he's like five eight two twenty. He's yeah. he's like the same build as Khalil Herbert, right? And then they've got a guy who is five eight one seventy five. Javian Hawkins. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, except Hawkins is close to two hundred. Hawkins is bigger. Yeah, uh, th- this is more like Deshaun McLeese, except right, right, he's right. faster than Deshaun McLeese in my opinion. And then you've got a guy who's like. 5'10", 200, and, is right, and splits the difference, right? Classic so running back. It's, it's, it's different different styles. Uh, the small guy is uh, Shedro Lewis. Uh, he's the big play threat. Uh, he's the one that he's got. I think he's got a 75-yard carry this year. He averages 8.3 yards per carry. Mm. He's kind of your boom or bust type running back. But uh, he's, he's actually the, he's the one that scares me the most, actually, because like, I actually don't think Liberty's going to win to like – put together like a 12-yard, or excuse me, 12-play, 84-yard drive against Virginia Tech. I think it's going to take players like him and Willis breaking off some big chunk yardage. You, know, you, you can argue they're a poor man's Louisville. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. With, that's, with, with that's some accurate. guys that can make explosive plays. I wouldn't put them on Louisville's level. i got to watch them play, you know. Uh, Malik Cunningham and JV and Hawkins and Tutu Atwell are just phenomenally explosive players. Yeah, and and I think that Liberty's got some guys who can do those sorts of things. DJ Stubbs is a Liberty's top receiver, and he has a Pro Football Focus grade that is second only to Ja'Cory Roberson among ACC players. And of course, Virginia Tech. But ACC. if he was in the ACC, so again, that was a number that stood out to me. But uh, Chris, he's five nine. 185 lines up exclusively in the slot. And one of the numbers that I found really interesting is that of his 32 targets on the season, 27 have been deemed catchable, and he's caught every one of them Hmm. on the season. So when you look at the receiving core, is Stubbs really the one you got to key in on for Liberty? Uh, Probably. Um, They've got several that I noticed in their their win over Southern Miss that – were fairly impressive, but the thing is, they were all small. Their main ones, uh, C.J. Yarbrough here is listed as a starter, but like he's not one of their top three leading receivers. Mm-hmm. He's uh, all their top three leading receivers are all in the uh, oh, let's see, are all in the five eight to five nine range, and the one sixty five to one eighty range. These are guys are really really small. Uh, 
Virginia Tech has done a really good job the last couple of weeks of limited, limiting the opposing team's best receiver. I'm not saying Tutu Atwell didn't make any plays, but they did a great job keeping him in front of the in front mm-hmm. of him and not generating. Wasn't it, it like seven catches, forty some yards? Six catches, forty some yards. And Jacoby Roberson was under seventy yards receiving against. Correct. Right. Roberson, I think, is the one I'm thinking about. Yeah. I, I forget what Atwell's stats were, but they've done a really good job against the smaller slot receiver type. I don't I don't know what exactly positions Liberty's receivers play because they are all have slot <laughs> they're receivers. all the same size, right? Yeah, so like, <laughs> so the the to me that like that's I think they have some speed at wide receiver, but at the same time like if Virginia Tech was able to hold down two two at well and the guy from Wake Roberson, I, I don't fear their receivers very much to be honest with you. Um, now, I'm sure they'll go out and have a big game now that I've said that. But well, I just, I just uh, don't see any evidence that where's, they're going to provide a greater challenge with wide receiver talent than the Louisville guys right. did. Right? So where's the attention of your defense? Are they peeking into the backfield to see what Willis is doing? Right, or are they right, pay atten- paying attention to their jobs? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that if they, they can just play d- disciplined. I mean, Willis is going to make some plays. Yeah. When you're, if you're facing – as good an athlete as he is, that that that's just going to happen. But uh, you, you can't get frustrated by it. You just got to maintain your discipline. Make him beat you on a consistent basis. Make him do it multiple times. Um, right. And uh, because I I, just, I don't think these, I don't think the receivers are a huge 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 threat to Tech's okay. defensive backs. Looks like Virginia Tech might have an opportunity to win the trenches with their defensive line against Liberty's offensive line. Chris, you highlighted it in your game preview, as you said. Lack size at a couple of spots on the interior, but they have experience from left tackle to right tackle, senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior. Do you think there's an opportunity here for Tech's defensive line to, to have a good day against this I, Liberty offensive line? I do. I think, as I said, Liberty's kind of caught in that mode between FCS and FBS as far as their talent level. They've certainly got some FBS, FBS talent at some spots. But they've also got FCS talent at other spots. Yeah. And, you know, as a guy who has previewed every Virginia Tech football game for the last 15 years and looked at a roster card for every single one of those football games. I've been making those roster cards up for a, a long, long time. time. Man. Close to 20 years, I guess. Like, the size of Damian Bounds at left guard, 6'1", 290. The, guys, uh, the size of Thomas Sargent at center, 6'1", 295. Yeah. These are red shirt seniors. Okay, they were recruited by Liberty to play FCS football. These are the size that of offensive correct. linemen when Virginia Tech plays William and Mary and Furman and, and teams like that. So, yes, I do think Virginia Tech has a big advantage. Uh, so yeah, front. so the guys I think about here are Narell Pollard and Mario Kendricks and guys like that who uh, have have at times not not every game but at times kind of taken their lumps against larger offensive lines that have just lined up and played smash mouth. And this is an opportunity for for them to go up against somebody that that doesn't have such a big. Size oh yeah, I think Pollard will. Smoke and Gerard, he, Gerard Hewitt right. also. Yeah, yeah Pollard. So, you're, if if you're going to ask the question later, who needs to have a big day, or who are you looking out to? Have I was a big about day? to ask you guys this on Virginia Tech's defense: Who needs to have a good game to slow down Liberty's offense? I don't know that needs to, but uh, look for Pollard to have. Okay, he's been really active lately, and I think Pollard's a good football player. You know. I, I, yeah, so, he is. He's yeah. a good natural football. I wish he was bigger, but like, he's such a throwback. Like, just a good natural yeah, football player. Plays hard. Um, yeah. Uh, 
He's a likable teammate, too. Everybody yeah. likes him. Uh, I, I can't name one player. How about a position but, group? Oh, defensive end, for sure. If uh, They have to keep him in the pocket. They have to keep Malik Cunningham in the pocket. I thought Tech's defensive ends were fantastic last week against Louisville. Um, and he, they did such a great job against the zone stretch along with the linebackers. Mm-hmm. And they did such a great job of, of keeping Malik Cunningham, the other Malik, in the pocket. Like, he got out of the pocket a few times, but not many. And the last time he did it, he got out because of Alan Tisdale lost leverage on the blitz, not because yep. of the defensive line. Right. Um, so I, I thought the defensive ends performed at a very high level last week. And actually, the, the PFF grades uh, back that up, if I, if I recall. So it's the same thing again. Uh, Louisville, honestly, is prep for, for Liberty. And Tech will face the same thing next week with Miami. So I'm actually glad to be playing these games back to back to back. Uh, you know, that's a solid point. They're going to run into uh, similar styles. I'm, I'm blanking on the quarterback Derek King. for Derek, Derek King. King. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So like, the, the game plan is going to be different every week to a certain extent, but the general. But what you're facing is very, very similar. That, that's an interesting yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think, again, again, if you look up at the end of the day and see Willis doesn't have many rushing yards, uh, or if most of his rushing yards came on a design run more so than scrambles, right. I, I think you're going to look back and say that the defensive ends did a really good job of rushing upfield, keeping their leverage, and keeping him in the pocket. That's easier said than done because because he's such a good athlete. Now that that sounds. Would you say that sounds like more of a more of more of being in a, a, a Amari Barno's wheelhouse? Not necessarily to power rush, but. To, to get, get upfield up, up and, and then, play contained. And then be athletic enough to get off the block. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I don't know Belmar's status. He only played, what, three snaps two weeks ago and didn't play at all last week. Belmar and Wooten are iffy, I believe. Right. Is what I've been told. Um, Wooten didn't travel last no, week. No, he didn't travel. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, uh, it's good to have Garbutt back. Garbutt's generally been a disciplined player for Tech. Not yeah. quite as big as you would hope, but, uh, but you know, he, he can help. But, but uh, like, I would... Like Jalen Griffin has played well for Tech recently. He doesn't sto- show up in the stat sheet from a sack, tackle for loss, and all that. But he's he's he played well last week. Um, well, like I said, I think all the defensive ends played pretty well last week. Uh, yeah. So, so all more, those guys, more, more of saying for all please. of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric Fisher brings up in the comments section um, that essentially he would like to see Justice Reed play like the opening of the Louisville game this week and the so. NC State game. Yeah. yeah. And see. Honestly, man, I think it's just his performance on a weekly base, basis Excuse me, is going to come down to health. Like, we heard after the NC State game that he got banged up, like, during the NC State game. Yeah. For a few weeks there, he didn't look explosive at he all. Was, he was invisible for right. a few and weeks. Right, and then there. all of a sudden he looked explosive again. So, so, so hopefully he's healthy. Right, hopefully he's healthy. But you got to remember, like, he's a seventh-year senior for a reason because yeah, he kept getting hurt. It was yeah. never realistic for him to play, like, 11 healthy football games for Virginia Tech. He's a good player when he's healthy. Yeah. You know, like anybody else, he's going to struggle when he's hurt. We just talked about Virginia Tech's defensive line a little bit. Liberty has an intriguing defensive line, including Ralph Russin, six foot six, three hundred twenty-five pound redshirt senior from Latvia. We'll talk about the Liberty defense when we come back from this break. You're listening and watching to episode 148 of the Tech Sideline podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. 
If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back in to episode 148 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For those that were watching, how about the elevator music making a comeback? A shout out to the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. A new look when we go to commercials. So uh, a round of applause to him. So great to have you with us. Episode 148, Virginia Tech hosting Liberty this weekend. We just previewed the offense and we transitioned to the defense. But a reminder that the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented each and every show by the Southeast Regional Training Center. It's a great way to get involved if you want to help Virginia Tech wrestling. Go support Southeast Regional Training Center and wrestling season. Don't have the schedule out yet, but getting closer and closer. Should should yeah, I, th- I think didn't we didn't we go over that they're not going to start wrestling until January? At the earliest yeah. January yeah. one. Yeah, okay. Uh it's real simple. If you want good wrestling, support the Southeast Regional Training Center, southeastrtc.com. There's a reason that Virginia Tech recruits so well in wrestling, and that's it. Let's transition and talk about the Liberty Flames defense and a couple of stats to throw out. The Flames ranked number 10 nationally in total defense, limiting their opponents to 294 yards per game. However, as Chris detailed in his game preview, which is up on Tech Sideline right now, here is where there's a, their opponents rank in total offense. Western Kentucky is number 96. Florida International is number 97. Again, this is total offense. Louisiana Monroe. Now, is I believe Chris wrote this up yesterday before the MAC played last night. Correct. So, right, right. So it's even worse. <laughs> there were like 103 teams ranked when, when you're given these numbers. So sorry to interrupt. But, uh, uh, so Western Kentucky 96, Florida International 97, Louisiana Monroe 92, Syracuse number 99 in total offense. Hmm. Okay, this was yesterday out of 103. So Syracuse is 99 of 103 before, hmm. as Will said, the updates with the MAC. And then Southern Miss. Number 66, North Alabama not included because they're FCS. So, Chris, is this defense solid or are their numbers inflated because of their opponents? Let let me let me throw a number in that that he did not research. But what I what I I put in my section of the uh, um, of the game preview out of their five FBS opponents. And and most of their FBS opponents have played five, six games. Only one of one of them's played only three games, I think. But two of their five FBS opponents have had their highest yards per play average of the season against Liberty. And a third had their second highest yards per play average. So that's kind of when you drill down into the stats, how are these teams that do whatever against Liberty, how are they doing against other teams? And in general, now the other two schools, not so great. But in general, there are teams that are playing Liberty and they're having their best yards per play offensive days against Liberty than they are against anybody else. So I uh I respect their stats. Uh they're bigger at nose guard than your average FCS team would be. Oh excuse me. Uh, lower level of lower yeah, level C S. Um I think you said it right. No, I said FCS and what I meant was transitioning from FCS okay. to FBS. They're not an FCS team anymore, but they still have players who were who were recruited as FCS players. Right. Um 
But that said, man, Virginia Tech is is the what sixteenth in the country in offense. Uh, they are averaging thirty seven points a game, which is in the top twenty, and that's against every single team Virginia Tech has faced has been an ACC foe. Correct. Right? ACC teams have not been able to stop Virginia Tech. The only ACC team that could stop Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech so far, right? And Liberty does not have ACC talent, not even close. So, no, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Virginia Tech on, on Saturday. Not not at all. Yeah, I would, I would actually say we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about Liberty's defense, but you planned the show, so you go ahead. Well, I, I wasn't planning on it. I really just want to, I want to mention one thing. Mention their number 10 nationally total defense, but the stats on Tech's offense, right? Number 16 in total offense. Number four in rushing offense. Number three in yards per carry. And number 18 in scoring offense. All against Power 5 competition. All against ACC schools. And the best, and, and you mentioned this. <laughs> I love this sentence, by the way. Southern Miss is the only offense Liberty has played with a pulse. And the Eagles scored 35 points on the Flames. So, again, I mean, trying to give paper, numbers to give perspective, but it's right. so difficult when it's... Yeah, again, like... I'm just saying what I think will happen, but I mean you don't really know because when you play a terrible schedule, it it, it hides your. It, it's difficult to tell your strengths and weaknesses when yeah, you play yeah. a schedule like that. Uh, maybe their defense is better than I give it credit for, but I don't know because they haven't played anybody. So here's the only thing we'll talk about: uh, Liberty's defense. We just quickly because we got to talk about Ralph's Rusins for a moment, okay? <laughs> you say so. So. One thing that stands out, as Chris noted in the game preview, is how big Liberty is on the interior at defensive tackle. Mm. Ralph's Roosin, 6'6", 325, redshirt senior. He's from, I want to say this correctly, Riga? Riga, Lat- Latvia. Riga, and, Riga Latvia. Yeah, and... And he's backed up by fellow behemoth, as you say, Henry <laughs> Chibu- uh, Chibuizi. Don't even ask. Chib- I don't know. Chibuizi, 6'3", 350, redshirt sophomore. Probably... Chibwezi. Chibwezi. There we go. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, so Chris asked a trivia question while we're I, on I break. I did, and I'll be very impressed if anybody knows this answer. Uh, you can you can answer in the comments section, and Malcolm will let us know. But who? What former Virginia Tech athletic star was from Riga, Latvia, the same city athletic as, uh, as star? Yeah, so he actually kind of tipped his hand a little bit. There. Yeah, Virginia Tech athletic star. Yeah. This was a major major <clears throat> athlete for Virginia Tech. Back in the day, um, I say back in the day. Whatever the day is, what, whatever the day is, but uh, yeah. but yeah, I uh, uh, you know they're big on the inside, of course, but you know I, I just don't think this is a defense Tech is going to have much trouble with. Could I mean, be a big day for Texas uh, Tech's running game, like hmm. last week against Louisville. I'll you know if you get my, too tall, Brock Hoffman will just hit you below the belt, man. My my bold prediction is that I almost called him Carry. I almost called him Kerry Blackshear. But oh. Raheem Blackshear will rush for over 100 yards this week. There you go. Let's, tra- let, let's do this. Let's transition to special teams quickly because you brought it up, and I think it is worth mentioning, that Liberty kicker Alex Barbier, 7 of 11 on the year, but only 2 of 6 from beyond 30 yards. 30 so, yards. Not 30, 40 or 50, right, but 30. beyond 30 yards, he's 2 of 6. So as you said, and it's obvious, Tech has the advantage in special. Dude, give, give, right. give the kickoff give, stats. Give the kickoff stats, yeah. Liberty, um, let's see, where to go? In yeah. fact, only 8 of Barbier's 43 kickoffs have gone for a touchback. That is unheard That's of. That's unheard of. Well, in FBS these days, almost everybody can kick the ball in the yeah, end zone, yeah. right? And he can't. Uh, so 
So it's hurt them. They've given up a kickoff return for a touchdown, so Virginia Tech might be able to do some damage there. What I say, they have some FBS pieces on their team and some FCS pieces on their team, and they're just kind of this weird mix. He's one of the FCS pieces. Yeah, that's uh, even when Virginia Tech plays FCS teams, though. That, that, uh, oh, that, you correct. Know? The, the, there, uh, there have been much better FCS kickers than 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 this. Yeah. That's nicely phrased. Yes. yes. Now their punter, Aiden Alvis, uh, six of his 18 punts have gone inside the opponent's 20. Six have been fair caught. You mentioned how the Hokies are trying to get Tavion Robinson more involved in the punt return game. Is this the game you could see that happening? It depends on how how Liberty treats it. I mean, right now Virginia Tech doesn't have a great chance to return punts because opponents are doing those angled kicks towards the sideline. They won't kick it to the guy. I mean... It means, like, when you catch it and you're two yards from the sideline, you've only got one direction to go, right? So, so your options are cut in half. And, like, like it, it's one of those where you're really good at something, so everybody changes the way they, they act against you. Like, special teams changed because Frank Beamer's teams blocked so many kicks, and so that created the three-man personal protection thing for punters, right? And guys like Tavon Robinson, you know, he was so good last year returning punts that they're just like, yeah, let's just kick it towards the sideline and not give him as good a chance. And I'm not saying Virginia Tech can't do better there, but some of this is what the opponents are doing too and how they are taking it away. It's like, like, it's like if I could go back and change anything in the history of Virginia yeah, Tech we, football. Yeah, we were, we were yelling about this in the I would, office I would, yesterday. I would go back to the Sugar Bowl and be like, why in the world did we punt the ball to Peter Warwick in the middle of like, the field? Frank, why are you kicking it why? anywhere where that guy can catch Just it? Just kick it to the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, by the way, quick reminder, if you're watching live on YouTube, we're almost to the point where we you get to ask Will and Chris questions. And we've got a decent amount of questions, but you have one. Go ahead and drop it in the chat. We will get to them shortly. Okay, transition now to picks for the game. Before I ask for your score and who you think is going to win, Will, let me ask you this. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like in years past, and some people are alluding this in the comments section, Virginia Tech has at times struggled with – FCS competition or teams that are not Power 5 sometimes gotten out to slow starts. Of course, that's highlighted by James Madison. Even last year, the Furman game was a 24-17 final score that came down to an onside kick. Does this Liberty team to you pose a threat to to make this game close, competitive, and to the point where you're somewhat nervous or do you feel confident in the Hokies that they'll get out to a quick start? Well, so uh, this is a drum I haven't really beat all that hard in past years, but, you know, watching how Virginia Tech came out less than fired up against Wake Forest, in my opinion, and watching how they came out fired up against Louisville and the profound difference it made in the outcome of those two games and these discussions we've had about how, you know, you have the super talented teams like Clemson and Alabama, and you have teams that really don't have much talent, like you know Syracuse appears to be there, um, and and there's one or two other like like I think Georgia Tech's struggling with talent. They'll get there because they're recruiting fairly well. It it just suddenly occurred to me you just got to come out ready to play. Well, Fuente said that on Tech Talk Live this week. He he says he's like the uber talented. I think he might even use the phrase uber talented, which is the yeah. same one I did, or maybe he said super talented. But basically, so, you know, they're really talented teams. It doesn't matter because they'll still be able to out. He did say them. that. That's right. Like, like like Clemson did Boston College. Like Clemson played just as bad, if not worse, against Wake Forest. Or excuse me, against Boston College as Virginia Tech did against Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. But they're so good. But they have so much talent that it just didn't matter in the and end. And BC also spit the bit there at the end. Jerkovic quit making plays that he'd been he'd make, making all year, really. But um, so it's really simple. Just come out ready to play. 
And again, all I've done is watch Liberty versus Southern Miss, some 10 minutes worth of highlights from that game. That's all it would take to motivate me watching Malik Willis run around and make throws. I'd be like, okay, they got some guys that can play. We need to be ready. I'd be worried maybe to a certain extent uh, in some other circumstances, but there's two things that make me not worried. Uh, the Wake Forest game happened two weeks ago. It's still ago. fairly recent. It's still fresh in everybody's memory. Yeah. Like, like as bad as they played against Duke last year, they didn't have a Duke again the rest of the year, right? Right. Um, That's true. Not, not once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good job. And uh, second of all, I mean, Liberty's got that 25 next to their name, yeah. right? Yeah. And we'll find out on Saturday whether they deserve it or not. But if you're a Virginia Tech football player, it's like, okay, we just had a horrible effort and lost to Wake Forest two weeks ago, and now a team from an hour away that's not even the ACC is coming to our house. They're ranked. They're ranked and we're, and we're not. not. Right. We need to stomp them into the ground yeah. and show no mercy. And that's the attitude I want to see. And if Virginia Tech comes out with that attitude, I don't think they're going to have any trouble winning the game at all. I agree. Chris, that's what, that's what who wins and what's the final score? I've got it 44-24 to 24, Virginia Tech. I really think Malik Willis is a top-notch athlete, and he's going to make some plays, and he would make plays against pretty much anybody. But I, I don't think he's going to have the supporting cast, and I don't think Liberty's going to have the defensive talent to stop the Tech offense. I went more conservative. I went with 41-30 Virginia Tech. And so we've had the game preview up since this morning. We've got so far, we've got 472 votes in, you know, asking the fans what they think. And three quarters of the responses say, say Tech will win by 11 plus points. And how many people think Liberty are going to win, period? Uh, six votes out of 410 votes out of 472. So 10 so Liberty fans. 10 Liberty fans stopped by. And, and <laughs> yeah, that that's because when I, when I tweeted out the game preview, I... Um, tagged Sea of Red. Seaofred.com is, is a Liberty sports website, mm. in, independent. I tagged them, and that may have made a few Liberty fans oh, wander over. I wish over you had done that room. because they're not, they're going to read it, and now they're going to come after me on Twitter. Because I don't I, think so. <laughs> because uh, you I know, dare disrespect their team. I've, I've actually uh, exchanged emails with those guys in the past, not recently, yeah. but... Uh, I didn't mean they were going to do it. I meant they're going <laughs> to... Retweet the preview, and then I'm just going to have a random liberty. Oh, that's a good question. I need me. I need to go check and see if they're if they're retweeted. I don't know. Your 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 preview is respectful. You know, I mean, uh, uh, from our pers- our perspective, it's it's yeah. Respectful. I don't I don't, I don't uh, know how their fan base. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is not, uh, if, if I was I if I was a liberty I, fan coming in with a chip on my shoulder, I would be looking for disrespect, and I, I don't think it's in. I I. I uh, saw a former Virginia Tech football player at the gym yesterday, and he said he works with several Liberty grads. Oh, they're, okay. They're all talking smack, and they're all like, <laughs> oh, they're, they're all like, oh, we're going to win this weekend. We're top, we're a top 25 team, right? And I said, go in there tomorrow and tell them that the teams they've beaten are a combined 4-28, and 28, and they're not going to have any idea of that yeah. stat. Not to mention, it's amazing, too. And I think we could honestly bring this topic up for another podcast just how much – I mean, so the, the AP poll, right, and the teams that they put in there and the voters that are doing that. But at the same time, Vegas has it at a 14-and-a-half-point spread. The Hokies are favored against the top 25 team. So, anyways, uh, we yeah, have a lot that, of questions 
on YouTube. We also have questions on Twitter. So let's go ahead and dive right into them. And some of them are comments as well. So, so, so first of all, anybody watching the video live, Malcolm, you can do the floating head thing, even though you're not going to handle the questions this week. Get up here, Malcolm. Come on. <laughs> I take this honor. I, I, I take this with a lot of pride here asking the questions this week. Uh, so, so let me jump in and say that uh, we, we've already started. You know, I, I, I told everybody last week that we've rented the office next door. Uh, Chris and I are going to move out into there probably within the next two weeks. We've got to get the furniture and computers, everything ordered and set up. And, and we're, we're taking steps to improve the podcast operation, how it looks and functions. And one of the things we're, we're looking to do is have another person who looks at social media during the podcast. Now, you're handling it today, and I'm sure you're going to do a fine job. But we're, we're looking to have a, a fifth person, really, who will go through the social media and kind of get the questions lined up. And, uh, and we may actually switch to a model where we ask questions throughout the podcast since we will have that person dedicated to that and that'll free Malcolm up to just handle strictly um, podcast production as opposed to having to also do that sort of thing so that's why Evan's asking the questions today he's still the best producer in the land whether he's asking questions or not though so uh, <laughs> okay a couple of comments here uh, first of all Mr. 804 comments and says Mike Emo the question about Latvia I believe Mike Emo was not Mike Emo. Mike Emo was from Northern Virginia. That's right. Like Riga, Rob, Latvia. The he, he went European to Ra country. He went to Robinson High School. Right. I actually, yeah. actually know yeah. that. I yeah. could be misinterpreting. He's uh, so Eric Fisher says Muzak with a question mark. Nope. Okay. Who was nope. the? What's the answer to the uh, the, no, the lot? Muzak. Oh, Muzak. I was about <laughs> to. Say, I didn't know who that was. Okay, that made. There were a lot of comments about the the. Uh, the music in there, by the way. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, a lot of people were enjoying the music in between the uh, commercial. Right, we need to go back to the best producer in the land doing this stuff, man. Well, <laughs> uh, so Herbert and up. King should be licking their chops to run back some kickoffs with five exclamation points from mm -hmm. uh, Justin Thomas. Uh, Travis Poff says, I wouldn't overlook Liberty at all. It seems like a trend of getting upset by teams like this. VT needs eh. to play every game teams like they were playing Clemson or Alabama. And that's not going to happen because that's not human nature at all. Because, you know, here's, here's the question. Happen. Ronnie Adams asked, were you surprised to see Garbett last week? Yes. I was surprised. I, well, yes. I was surprised, but then when I found out before the game that Belmar wasn't there and Wooten wasn't there, yeah. and then I saw Garbett on the field, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense now. Do you know? They, did you look up how many snaps he played? I want to say like 9 to 12. I was going to guess range. 12. Yeah. But... He did okay. He actually uh, he got the outside pressure that that got Fuga that sack. Yeah, that's down right. on the goal line, and then like the next play, they ran at ninety yards. But yes, we were surprised. Uh, another question, <laughs> and this was news that came out last night that Virginia and Louisville will not play their game this week due to COVID cases in the Louisville program. Ronnie, and it's Louisville's fault. Ron, uh, Ronnie Adams asks, "Do y'all think we might have another COVID surge after playing Louisville last weekend?" No, I think most of Tech players quite frankly have already tested positive <laughs> and now they're not going to have to test again for months uh so no i don't think that's going to happen i did hear and i posted this on the board last uh saturday afternoon i, I had heard i heard that louisville before it got announced i heard that louisville was going to be missing a lot of defensive lot linemen of defensive and they linemen. were very very close to canceling the virginia tech that's game right. last last week and i think the only reason they didn't is because tech was already there uh, that's a good. That's a good point. I, I think. I think all those tests. I get. I bet all those guys they had tested positive, and they didn't get the test results back until late Friday night slash 
early Saturday morning, just like when Tech found out they weren't going to have Justin Hamilton that yeah. time. You know, yeah. I think the only reason they didn't cancel it is because Tech had already traveled. And and I believe I saw probably rolling through Twitter, somebody said I think Satterfield said that they only have three defensive linemen right now who can play. So. You don't play with just three defensive lines. Uh, I mean, if they they should have canceled the tag game. If they were cutthroat, as I always thought Louisville was, they would have canceled it. I know, but they didn't. We should have canceled the UNC game. I'll say it. All right. Postpone <laughs> it would have been great. All right, a couple other questions uh, here, both on Twitter and from YouTube. Hokie28 has been dying to get this question in. And Hokie28, I apologize we have not done it on Sooner Podcast, but we're getting it in today. In the future, why doesn't Virginia Tech schedule West Virginia and Tennessee every year as part of the non-conference games? Both of them? This would spark national interest and be good for all parties involved, one would think. In the future, annually scheduled Tennessee and West Virginia would be huge for Tech and other programs. Well, first of all, Tennessee's not going to do it. Right. So that's not a Virginia Tech thing. That's a Tennessee thing. I'm not sure about the West Virginia thing. That well, may be a Virginia well, Tech thing. That's oh yeah, it's definitely like like Virginia Tech fans don't want to play West Virginia, but they want to play Tennessee. West Virginia fans want to play Virginia Tech. Tennessee fans don't want to play Virginia Tech. Right. So, uh, well, my, my my buddy Richie Davis wants to see oh, WVU and Tech every I year. I want to see WVU and Tech. Yeah, but every Richie year. played uh, uh, small small college football, and he just he loves he loves nasty rivalries. The, the I mean, what good is college football without without the emotion without emotion? Uh, well, just go back to that FedEx Field game. That was awesome. That was great. Um, that's. Yeah, it was fantastic. So, so are we even I, answering the question? I, I would, I would. Okay, I'll, <laughs> so it sounds like Tennessee doesn't want to schedule Virginia yeah, Tech. Forget, that's a I mean, I mean the, 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 those Tennessee already plays eight SEC games, and I, I don't think they feel like playing a home and home. You know, playing Virginia Tech every year that's not going to improve their recruiting. You, they're probably going to lose fifty percent of them. Uh, it just doesn't. They have a hundred thousand seat stadium. Right, 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 right. They, they can they can make more money if they get that extra home game every year. Like it doesn't do them any good to to, to play. Yeah, that's Virginia their Tech that's their year. viewpoint. Right. Um, West Virginia, though, I am totally in favor of playing yeah. every year, and I'm, I'm glad they're playing a home and home soon. Well, they ought to play that game in Charlotte. Oh, that'd be fantastic. So, you, know, you know what's amazing about that too? As much time passes, so for like my age and kids that are in college, and Malcolm's age. I don't really consider West Virginia a rival because right, my whole life right. I've Haven't grown up. It. Oh, it was it was, na- it was nasty. But I understand man. learning back about. I mean, how Morgantown. I mean, it, I get it now, and believe me, I totally understand. But it's funny; it's so it's, much time it's has just, passed. It's almost like the current kids now don't realize the Black Diamond Trophy, how big of a deal it is. Uh, like tech fans, like they don't like the nastiness of some West Virginia fans, so they want to disengage from the rivalry. Well, then just don't go to Morgantown. Well, just don't go. I mean, I realize that, that that you don't get along with some of their fans, but it's just like we have like we as a as a group as a fan base have so far to go before we're a big time program fan base. I mean, Auburn and Alabama they go to each other's campus and cut down each other's historical trees, right? Yeah, and we're, we're we're just like, oh, let's not play West Virginia; they're a little too nasty. Uh, they cursed at me. Right, right. So we can't, <laughs> we can't have that attitude if we want to be a, if we want to be a big time program. We can't be afraid of things like that. And and I think, I think emotions. Uh, uh, I'm not glad UVA beat Virginia Tech last year, but all those years where they had no chance to beat Virginia Tech, and you couldn't even really hate them that bad because you knew they had no chance. And, well, now there's some juice back into it because they beat Tech last right, year, right? right? And I remember we played to in the 96 season, we played West Virginia and UVA in back-to-back, back-to-back games. Back-to-back weeks, I know. I mean, 
and to me, that's all. That's my favorite era of Virginia Tech football. Yeah. And this stuff these days, when UVA is down and just at the bottom of the trash heap in football as they were for so long, and then we weren't playing West Virginia at all. Where's the emotions? That's what college football is supposed to be about. So, so yes. So, so that was a big, that was a, and Chris and I have talked about this and written about this before. That was a big loss after entering the ACC. <clears throat> UVA in a, in a few years became uncompetitive with Tech, mm-hmm. and Tech quit playing West Virginia. And that's two big rivalry games that Got either disappeared like or were that. diminished. And I'll say this, when I was in school, I remember my first experience around West Virginia fans was in 2002 when some came to Lane Stadium. And I remember like a big group of 30 or 40 were walking down Spring Road, which is now Beamer Way. And they were rough, and I was walking in the opposite direction, and I was scared of them. <laughs> but I still want to play the game. Yeah. I still want to play the game. So, Evan, one last thing on that. Um, the interesting thing is, as nasty as that rivalry was, it, it peaked under two gentleman coaches, yeah. Frank, Frank Beamer and Don Nealon. Both very, very classy guys that got along great, but the fans and the players, uh, that's where so the much. nastiness of it Let me say from. this about West Virginia fans. Um, I was in Charlotte for the Belk Bowl, and I was at Whiskey River the night before the game, and all of a sudden, and I was going to watch the West Virginia-Miami Bowl game, and all of a sudden, I noticed there's like one guy in a West Virginia jersey in the bar, and then all of a sudden, the West Virginia fight song comes on, and I look around me, and I'm surrounded by West Virginia fans. It turns out Whiskey River is the West Virginia bar in Charlotte, in Charlotte. and I'm stuck here, like surrounded by West Virginia fans with, all my, with my tech gear on and everything like that, because I'm going to the bowl game the next day, and they were great. They were yeah. just like tech fans. They were normal people. You know, I, I think there's a big difference between like a regular West Virginia grad that goes off and lives in a city and works a regular job than like like somebody who like has lived and stayed in the state of West Virginia their entire life and maybe didn't just even go to the school. Just don't go to Morgantown. Just don't go. <laughs> yeah, there were all these stories coming out of FedEx Field in 2017 that the worst fans there were actually the Virginia Tech fans. I had a great time in FedEx Field. I yeah, thought it was their, great. Their Except for the great. parking and getting into, getting into well, the stadium. Getting into the stadium was too long. Yeah. All right, yeah. so a couple comments actually about this, and then we've got a couple questions. If you ask them, we'll try to get to them on next show. But let's let's go ahead and wrap up with this theme here. Clark Ruland chimes in. Wouldn't you think Georgia Tech seemed to take West Virginia's place? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because what Georgia Tech they really don't, they don't have hardcore fans. Like fans make college football, right? Yeah, and then, um, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like I I agree that you know the Paul Johnson thing, like Virginia Tech fans and Paul Johnson. And, I liked what he added to the rivalry. I liked by what being he added to the Paul. rivalry, but in the end, like. They just don't have a big fan base, and they just don't care. Yeah. Um, uh, they they don't even get that into it with uh, Georgia. Uh, well, I mean, I I I know someone who went to Georgia, and she told me that Georgia grads their their nickname for Georgia Tech grads are the dorks. They just they're they're just don't care about football all that much. Yeah. So. Uh, so no Clark. So, so no Clark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other comments. Justin Thomas says, I remember fans traveling to West Virginia for a game after Tech played a one double-A school and West Virginia fans were throwing double-A batteries mm-hmm. at our fans. Yep. Uh, Eric uh, Fisher, uh, I went to Morgan Hole, as he calls it, in 97 <laughs> and 99, never again. Oh, oh, so, okay. Well, I, I, I went to the Pitt game in 2003, and I was on the field for it. And I watched that, – That's I had beer cans thrown – this was, that was a night game. It was at noon. I had beer bottles thrown at my car while cops just laughed. This is Pittsburgh. I, I, watched, I, wa- I watched our cheerleaders were on the field warming up, and they, they laid down the Virginia Tech flag. And I watched a 
Pitt student come down to the front row, unzip his pants, and pee on the Virginia Tech flag. Really? Cops did nothing. I watched our players walk back to the locker room after the game, and all the Pitt students were above them, throwing batteries, full drink bottles, everything at them. It was horrible. But, like, Pitt's in the ACC, mm. right? Uh, you know what? Malcolm does have something to do at 3.30. He so does. This is, this yeah, is yeah. fun. No, I'm sitting here looking at the clock saying, God, this is great content. I we could go on and on up. and on, yes. Uh, I think the bottom line is we we should do a podcast on this rivalry sometime It's like soon. a Red Sox fan saying we shouldn't play the Yankees anymore because the Bronx can be rough. Nick, Nick, next, next spring, let's do some of yeah. this kind of stuff. The, listen, yeah. we uh, – Yes, absolutely. After basketball season, we've got a couple months. We'll, we'll, we'll weave that in. So, all right. That'll wrap things up. Episode 148 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, Chris, what's coming up on the website the rest of the week, and what can our uh, subscribers uh, uh, expect? Oh, same as always, man. We uh, we will have a Friday Q&A tomorrow. Um, Corey's got another article coming this week. We should have one more Jason Stame article. Corey just uh, texted he, that he, he sent a Cornelson article. He sent a Cornelson article, which will be in place of his run it back article because we're playing Liberty this week. We've only played Liberty once ever, so we can't. Right. There's right. no really big stories there. So the Cornelson article will replace run it back mm-hmm. and be run tomorrow morning. Okay, fantastic. Will, any closing thoughts? No, I just. Uh, um, I, I, hmm. Hope these aren't famous famous last words, but I feel good about Saturday. You know, I, uh, I think if Virginia Tech comes out and plays hard, they'll take care of business. I might go out in my yard and have my own personal tailgate. It's going to be nice weather. And if I wasn't working the game in the press box, <laughs> I would come to. Oh, you. why would you? do I'd that? I'd go over to Malcolm's. <laughs> yeah, sit, sit out in his yard. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us. Episode one forty eight Tech Sideline Podcast for our managing editor Chris Coleman. Our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 148 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great weekend and enjoy the game. We'll talk to you Monday morning right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. 